0: Now, sometimes a piece of knowledge can be an especially good thing. Uh, In the early days of motor cars and motorcycles, and I'm not early, old enough to really remember this myself, I just barely kind of maybe remember a little bit about it, certainly have heard people talk, but in those early days, a gas gauge was an unheard of convenience. So motorists had to make do with uh, a little lever, Placed somewhere strategically in the vehicle, uh, which, when turned, when you flip that lever, it gave you a reserve amount of fuel. Sometimes it did that by switching to another tank, and sometimes it simply lowered the intake level on the existing tank. But however it worked, the idea was to give you enough fuel that you hoped would make it to the you would make it to the next station. You never flipped that lever until the engine was sputtering from lack of fuel and you dearly hoped at that point that you had remembered to flip it back the last time you used it. Otherwise, you were in for a sad walk of undeterminate distance. That little lever saved many a person from a search for a gas station and a can to carry the gasoline in. But that lever did not do you any good if you didn't know it was there. So it was important to have that piece of knowledge. And knowing it also saved you from having to answer that embarrassing question, did you remember to switch to the reserve? That's a small piece of knowledge, but it made a difference back then. Sometimes, though, you, uh, you may know something, but you forget that you know it. When I was uh, a bit younger, well, maybe a lot younger, but who's counting? <laughs> I always had a a key on my car. Now, I don't know if all of you know what that is, uh, since remote locks have kind of almost made those things obsolete. But it was a small box that had a magnet on it, and um, and you put a spare key in it, and then you stuck it up under your bumper, Uh, That is, you located it in a safe, yet hidden, but accessible place on your car. Now, I put that there. You understand. In case a certain unnamed individual locked her keys in the car. Not that that ever happened, no. But just in case, I made sure every car had a spare key on it somewhere. Now, I may or may not have used it my times myself that particular piece of information remains classified and as far as I can tell it won't be released to the general public anytime soon I had since realized something the reason car thieves uh, never stole cars by using the key from the Heidi key is because they always forgot it was there somehow I always remembered that piece of information so when I would get that phone call I mean if if I ever got that phone call, saying something like, I locked my keys in the car, followed by, what do I do, or can you come help me? I had a ready response. I would say, very gently, you understand, you forgot, didn't you? (laughs) Forgot what, I would hear? Uh, The key in the box under the bumper. Oh, yeah, I always forget that thing. You know, I, it was amazing how much pleasure the, saying those little words brought me. It was kind of like a payback for every time. You know how when I'm looking for something and I can't find it, and I say to Anne, where is this thing? And she'd say, Did you look at some place, your dresser or wherever? And i say, Of course I looked there, but it's not there. And she walks over and she picks it up. <laughs> right from. How did she do that? Oh, I sure used to love it when I got to say those words. I miss that hard to key. <laughs> you know, peace of knowledge can be a very useful thing. Sometimes satisfying as well. But those are small things. Uh, they, they provide an opportunity maybe for a chuckle at least some years later. But there are some things that are decidedly more important. Knowing the warning signs of skin cancer or a heart attack may mean the difference between life and death for you, and that's no laughing matter. But there are things that one can know that are even more important than that, more important than whether you live here on this earth for a few years more or not. Something, some information, if acted upon in the right way, can keep you from the ultimate catastrophe, There's one piece of information, uh, one fact, that is central to our human story. Everything else flows from it, points to it, or rests on it. And it'll be no surprise to you that I'm referring to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Of course, Uh, that's why we're here today. Today is the day that we celebrate that life-changing, world-changing, eternity-altering truth. Today, especially, we remember the resurrection difference and what a difference it has made. The part of the Bible that uh, we're looking at today comes from a letter which was written to encourage Christians. These Christians, well, for them, some of their loved ones had died. And just like us, when we find ourselves in that situation, well, they were saddened by their loss. But they were also a a little confused, a little unsure of how that, the death of someone that they loved, fit into God's overall plan. And these words were written to encourage them by telling them truth, by telling them what God has done and what he will do about their loss, about the loved one who had died. Now these words have been an encouragement to believers ever since. The text that I'm talking about comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13 and ending in verse 18. And it's that ending verse where we're going to start this morning. And, and this is what it says there. Therefore, <laughs> encourage one another with these words. You see, at times of loss, when a believer has passed on, these words bring great comfort to those who are left behind. Now, we haven't gotten to those words yet, but we will in a moment. A- at that time of loss, though, those words bring great comfort. You probably heard them spoken at some of the funerals that you've been to. But I want to tell you something. Those words of encouragement... Um, That encouragement isn't just for times like that. It's not limited to such times. It is a truth, really, for all times. And knowing that truth, more than that, welcoming that truth into your heart changes the way you see everything. There are words that are meant to encourage and the encouragement comes from this central truth about our faith. And that's scene in the beginning of verse 14, which tells us what that is. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. That fact changes everything. It is the resurrection difference. Many people have died. Only one has been raised. Only one has been resurrected. Now, I I know. I know what some of you are thinking right now. Uh, You maybe are a bit confused. You're asking yourself, but didn't uh, didn't some people, you know, die in the Bible, and, and then they were brought back to life? And if you're thinking that, you're right, but... They were, they were indeed brought back to life, but it was this kind of life they were brought back to. This kind of life always runs out again, and so they died again. But resurrection life is different. It never runs out, and death no longer has any power over it. You know, Jesus was not brought back to life like we know it. As a man, when he walked this earth, he got tired and needed sleep. He got hungry and wanted food. He was thirsty and he needed drink. He could be hurt and bleed and suffer and even die, all of which he experienced. But no more. (laughs) No more. He was resurrected and none of those things have any part in his life now. Yet his resurrection was not meant for him alone. It was only the beginning, as the rest of verse 14 reminds us. We read again For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Jesus' resurrection was only the beginning. Not I have to tell you, there's a lot going on in those few words, uh, few words, and we need to spend a little bit of time talking about them. And the first thing I want you to note is that the believer who has died is with the Lord now. So when Jesus returns, God will bring with them, will, he will bring them with Jesus because they're already with him. They have fallen asleep. In him, they are where he is, and that's a great comfort and encouragement for us if we have a loved one who's gone on. And I have to explain briefly, if I could, that term, fallen asleep. Uh, We need to understand that because uh, of the resurrection, we need to understand that death itself has been transformed for the Christian. There's a whole lot to say on that topic, and there's more than we have time Uh, for this morning, but the very way that Christ talked about the death of believers and only believers, which Christians picked up on and which we have just read shows how radically different we think about death, or at least that we should think about it. That word death, I don't know if you're aware of this, but that word death is almost never used in the Bible in reference to believers, uh, unless there's a need to drive home a point of a physical death of the body, which this Precious does a little later. But it's not the normal way of talking about it when it comes to the believer. Instead of death, the Christian sleeps. In Christ, he or she sleeps, and that's an important point. But death has been transformed, well, into a kind of a sleep. Now, I want you to know that's not merely a euphemism. Uh, It's not just a nice, gentle way of speaking about death while avoiding the reality of it. Instead, the Bible is revealing truth. It it, it redefines death for the believer. It is, as I've already noted, the term that Christ himself used. I want to do, if I can, I want to illustrate this for you uh, and and hope that there isn't going to be any confusion. I don't have time to address every nuance in this text and what the Bible says, but I hope this is going to help. When you dream, you're sleeping, of course. But when you dream, you know you're not dead. You, You may be afraid of death in your dream, but you know you're not dead. And there are a lot of mental things that are going on, but for the most part, your body's unaware. I, I mean, there are exceptions to that, of course. I know you, you might be laying on your arm wrong and the, the pain kind of enters your dream or, or you might be agitated by something in your dream and, and, it, and it makes you restless as you're, as you're trying to sleep. But most of the time, your body doesn't affect your dreams. It's almost like it's not there. Maybe that can help us understand. When a believer dies, his or her body is is buried, it's placed in the ground, and it and it deteriorates. But the person is not dead. He or she is still alive and with the Lord. The body doesn't affect that. And they're not dreaming. No. I don't want you to misunderstand this. They are not dreaming. They are actually with the Lord, but without their body. And the closest thing that we have ever experienced, which is any way at all like that, is sleep. But like sleep, one day, the believers will all wake up. And yet, then, instead of everything fading away like it does in those waking hours, when you wake from a dream, it will all become more real than anything we have ever known yet. The resurrection has changed everything. Death has been transformed. Even our grief is different Verse 13 says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you will not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We sorrow when a loved one passes, but not like the world does. We have hope. We know that death does not have the last word. Our God does. In 2010, my mom died. She'd been gone now almost eight years. Is right if I tell you that I miss her? A lot. My wife just this week uh, commented on that. She said how much she missed my mom too. I wish I could see her. I wish I could talk to her. Sometimes I especially feel that loss, and I'll say out loud, oh, Mom. Because I miss her. But I'm not in despair. <laughs> for I know I will see her again. And for the believer, death does not have the last word, God does. Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. And those who have fallen in his sleep in him are with him now and death itself has been transformed for us even our grief is changed but it doesn't stop there the verses which follow reveal what that resurrection will mean one day in the future this passage we're looking at is the fullest description of the return of Jesus Christ in the entire new testament what I want to do with it right now is simply read it for you with just a couple of comments along the way, beginning in verse 15. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left at the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So there will be believers who are alive when Jesus returns, and this passage tells us about them as well as those who have already gone on. We continue reading in verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And so when Jesus comes back, he brings back the believers with him that sleep in him, and he raises their body from the dead. So there's this kind of vivid picture of these uh, these souls that are with the Lord coming back with him and their body raising from the grave and then meeting together like the old friends that they are. And then the text goes on to say, After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. So those who are alive together with those who have been raised will together meet Jesus in the air. And the best part of that, and I don't want you to miss this, is that last statement that we read, and so we will be with the Lord forever. We will be with the Lord forever. Oh, glad I will be when that day comes. To be with Jesus, well, it's better by far. But that's not all. We will be with him. You, if you're a believer and me, we will be with him. And all of our loved ones who know the Lord, who have gone on before us, we will be together with the Lord. There is a day coming where there are no more goodbyes. There is a day coming better than the best day you have ever known. There is a day coming when life, like you have never known it yet, will course through your bodies like the joy of a thousand sunrises. That's what the resurrection means for the believer. The return of Jesus Christ has changed everything for us. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has changed everything for us. And that's why we're here today. And that's why we're here every Sunday. We're here to celebrate that. There are two more really important things that um, I need to say before we can bring our time together to a close this morning. I I need to make clear um, two differences which the passage we have read makes. And the first difference which the text makes is seen in how it refers to the death of Jesus when referring to the death of believers, um, the term most often used, as we've noted, is that they've slept. That's not said of Christ. He, he, it's not said that he slept. No, he died. He, he bore the brunt of death himself, so we didn't have to. He died. On that cross, before he died, the Father turned his back on his son. And the reason he did that, the reason the father turned his back on his son, abandoned his son while he was there on the cross, is because of us. The Bible tells us that Jesus Himself bore our sins on that cross. He took all the sins of all the people of all the world, for all time in His body on that cross. The Bible says that Jesus was made sin for us, which meant he had to go through what we would have had to gone through if He didn't. He's our substitute. We were on our way to the death chamber. We were dead men and women walking. And Jesus stepped into our place. He is the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And to do that, he had to die and suffer the pains of hell on that cross. You need to know that. If you don't know it already, you need to know it. Just as we who do know it from time to time need to be reminded... It wasn't, my friends, it wasn't just the political and religious leaders of the day which put Jesus on the cross. It wasn't just Pilate who condemned him to death. It was you and me because of our sin. Does that seem too much for you? Does it seem too much to bear? And think what it would mean if you had to bear your own sin. But you don't have to because of Jesus. He did it for you. Which brings me to the next thing I need to see, the next difference that the text has made. There is a difference between the believer and the, that is, the one who has a relationship with Christ and the unbeliever, the person who has not yet anyway come to Christ. You know, all of that glory that I've been talking about is to come, but it is only for the believer, but it is offered To everyone. What Jesus did on that cross, though, does you no good at all if you don't come to him. He he promises to give us rest for our souls, but we have to come to him. He tells us if you have ears, then hear what he has to say and act on it. He states emphatically that the person who hears his words and acts on them builds their lives on a foundation that will never be shaken but the person who hears and doesn't act on them, well, everything that they build in this life will be completely destroyed. It was Jesus himself who said, and yes, still says, what good will it do you if you gain everything in this world and yet in the end die into a death that never ends? God offers you a gift Freedom from the penalty of your sins and life everlasting, but you have to go to him to receive it. And I have to tell you something. Some of you know this, but you've forgotten it. Not, not with an innocent kind of forgetfulness, like when someone forgets about a key, but by not acting on what you know you should have. By letting things stay, The same. Sometimes with deliberateness you forget. You don't think about it and you don't want to think about it. I have to tell you, it saddens me. It saddens me that many of you have heard this before and still you have done nothing with it. Some of you, I know, Some of you are sitting there right now saying to yourselves, well, here it is. I knew it was coming, that appeal to come to Jesus. Of course it comes. What else can we do? If we're to be faithful to our Lord, what else can we do? We know the truth. We care about you more evidently than you care about yourself. And we're not ashamed to make this appeal. We will keep on doing it until our dying breath or until you die and there's no more hope for you. But our heart breaks every time you don't respond. That believing person that you know, you know, the one who loves you, who prays for you, who tells you the truth who has to so many times bite his or her tongue so they won't say too much and drive you away, that person, that person would die for you if that would make a difference and bring you to Christ. But then Jesus has already done that, hasn't he? You know, we're not calling you away from your life We're calling you to the only life there is. Some of you here know me well enough to know that I will always tell you the truth. And some of you know other people like that. I want you to hear me now. Hear us now. As we tell you this. Once you come to Christ, you will wonder why you ever waited. You will know then for the first time in your experience, what real life is. We know you don't see it yet. Will you believe us when we tell you it's there? You have our word on it. But more importantly, God, who cannot lie, has given you his word. So I'm going to say to you, come. Come now. Before it's too late. The God uh, has said it. The God who cannot lie. He has promised. The one who says what is true always. The day is coming when the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command the voice of an archangel with a trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first one word of command one shout from the archangel one blast from the trumpet of God and the Lord himself will come and the question for you is are you ready If you're not ready then it's too late. <sighs> Normally at the end of the service I uh, I go and sit back down and join you in singing a closing song and then I make my way out there to say hi to as many of you as I can. This morning I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to come down and stand right here in front of this table and I'm going to give you an opportunity while the music is playing to come and talk with me, and I'll show you, or I'll have someone help you to know how you can have eternal life, to know your sins are forgiven. We don't do that every Sunday in this church. Some of you are closer than you realize to departing this world. Don't go there unprepared. Frank, if you and your guys can come up. and While they're coming, can I pray uh, for all of us? Father, thank you for your goodness and grace to us. Thank you for an opportunity to talk about the resurrection. And for any person that's here today, Lord, that has not responded, Lord, nothing I can say can really make a difference. But I know, Lord, you can prompt them, you can move in their heart, and they can come to you, and they'll never be sorry that they did. Thank you for your grace and your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.